My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Thursday the 1st of June. Happy winter. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. You might remember a conversation we had in September last year on this podcast about allegations of racism against the Hawthorne Football Club. Allegations that Hawthorne pressured Indigenous players to separate from their partners and, in one case, terminate a pregnancy. Well, the AFL has now ended their investigation into those allegations. No adverse findings have been made in the independent investigation against any of the individuals against whom allegations have been made. So what's led to this result? And what does it say about how we deal with allegations of racism in sport in Australia? Tom and I are going to get into today's deep dive. But first, Sarah, what is making headlines? The federal government has proposed changes to tobacco laws. They want to create stronger graphic warnings on tobacco products and add vapes to the current advertising restrictions. Draft legislation was released on Wednesday and it'll be open for consultation until July. We've got a new Premier in WA. Roger Cook is set to succeed Mark McGowan as Premier of Western Australia. McGowan announced his resignation on Monday, saying he was exhausted. Cook has been McGowan's deputy and served as Health Minister during the COVID pandemic. Elizabeth Holmes has begun her prison sentence for defrauding investors of her now-defunct technology company, Theranos. Holmes founded the company in 2003, which claimed to accurately run multiple blood tests from one drop of blood. She was sentenced to over 11 years behind bars in November and reported to a Texan prison this week. If you want more on that story, there's a link in the show notes to a potty we have done on this previously. And today's good news, the Therapeutic Goods Administration has approved a proposal by the Australian Red Cross to remove questions related to a person's sexual activity when donating plasma. The move, which will impact men who have sex with men and sex workers, has been welcomed by the federal government. G'day, Tom. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Sam. It's good to be here. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on. Here today to talk about the allegations of racism at the Hawthorne Football Club in the AFL. The AFL dropped its months-long investigation into those allegations earlier this week. The investigation didn't get very far. We'll get into that in a moment. But they're they're certainly very serious allegations at the centre of this. It's been a thorny and difficult thing to work through and has implications not just in the world of football, but, of course, the broader conversation in Australia about racism towards First Nations communities. And I'm keen to get into those implications soon. But why don't we start with a little bit of context? Where did these explosive allegations come from? So we've got to go back a little bit to April of last year. Uh, And in April last year, former Hawthorne First Nations player Cyril Rioli gave an interview to The Age where he talked about experiences of racism during his time at Hawthorne. There were some racist comments said to have been made by players, uh, an inappropriate comment said to have been made by former President Jeff Kennett. Uh, And it was a really significant story, you might remember at the time, Sam. And, you know, Cyril Rioli was part of... Uh, a very successful Hawthorne football club in the 2010s. It was the most successful club in football. And a Cyril, dynasty. 
It was, and, and Cyril Rioli was a really big part of that. So that was a significant story in its own right. Mm. Um, his voice carried a lot of authority, and it prompted Hawthorne to take a closer look at its own practices. So in response to Cyril Rioli's allegations, Hawthorne uh, commissioned some consultants to come into the club and review the way that it had treated First Nations players, both past and present. So the consultants spoke to First Nations players and their families, uh, collected their experiences and presented them to the Hawthorne Football Club. Now, this process unearthed some very serious allegations and those allegations would eventually become what we're talking about today. Okay, so give me a sense of what those allegations were. Yeah, well, the first thing to say is that we don't know in full. So what the consultants unearthed, we still haven't seen. It has never been published. Hawthorne received it, found it troubling, passed it on to the AFL. We came to know about this when ABC journalist Russell Jackson came across the consultant's findings and he himself interviewed some of the players who'd made the allegations and published last September a lengthy article that detailed really three sets of stories from three players and their partners. And those allegations all centred around the suggestion that officials at the Hawthorne Football Club had tried to separate First Nations players from their partners. Okay. So the first family um, alleges that um, upon hearing of the player's partner's pregnancy, that the club uh, pressured the player to have the partner's pregnancy terminated and then took steps to, to separate them by changing his SIM card. The second couple also suggests that um, while the partner was pregnant, the club had tried to intervene to to separate them and kept them apart for a long period of time, that there had been an altercation at the player's house involving club officials. And the third couple suggested that the club had intervened to try to stop the partner from relocating interstate to to live with the player. So all all three really based around, I suppose, a similar theme. Uh, and there were three Hawthorne officials who were named in the ABC article. And they are the former coach, Alistair Clarkson, former assistant, Chris Fagan, and the former player welfare management officer, Jason Burt. Uh, all three had since moved on from the club. They weren't involved in this consultant process, but they were named in the ABC piece. And, and, and that really um, exploded upon its publication uh, and, and became a really significant story of public interest. So it's now June. That story was published in September. What has the fallout been for those three men in particular? So the three men very quickly and very strenuously denied all allegations of wrongdoing. Uh, Again, they had not been involved in the consultant process. They weren't at the club at the time. And the consultants weren't weren't seeking to investigate claims. They were seeking to record first-hand experiences of First Nations players and their families. And they did that. And so the first that Clarkson, Fagan and Burt heard of the allegations, they say, is when the ABC journalist gets in touch with them and puts questions to them just before it was published. And basically until, it seems, this week, they hadn't seen the the full detail of the allegations. They'd only seen what we've seen in the ABC article. But nonetheless, they denied any wrongdoing, any racism towards First Nations players. Now, 
Clarkson and Fagan are still well and truly in the public eye. They've moved on to become senior coaches at other AFL teams. Bert works um, at a high school, um, in, a, in, in a high school football program. All three of them took leave briefly following the airing of these allegations, but then they, they went back to work. Um, the AFL, for its part, I guess, wanted to be seen on the front foot and said, well, we, we will investigate this. And so the AFL sets up its own investigation, chaired by a respected lawyer, with the purpose of hearing both sides of the story, trying to get to the bottom of the truth of the claims, trying to run some sort of mediation, some sort of potential resolution between the the players, the club and the coaches, and I guess trying to bring this matter to an end. That was the intent. And so the review has now been dropped without there being any findings. That's why we're talking about it today is because that's the news this week. What exactly has happened there? So this week, after basically eight months, the AFL said we're dropping the investigation and it hasn't made any findings and really it didn't even get off the ground floor so almost immediately the investigation i think it became pretty clear to everyone who was watching this that it wasn't going to get anywhere so one of the players and two of the partners said we don't want to be involved in the afl's process refused to participate the ones who did participate there was a lot of difficulty agreeing on the terms of how the investigation should proceed and as a result, there was no no form of mediation. But more than that, it didn't get to the point where the investigation was able to put the allegations to Clarkson, Burton, Fagan for a response. So as far as being able to investigate the truth of the claims, again, it just really couldn't get off the ground. But despite that, it, it went on for about eight months. The people who were involved were bound for confidentiality agreement. And so obviously Fagan and Clarkson are AFL coaches. They're often in the media. They're often being asked about this. They weren't able to comment on it. The players remain anonymous and and also haven't been able to comment on it publicly. And so the whole thing has gone on for for an extended period of time. And the AFL acknowledged this week uh, that it's caused great distress um, to really all all parties. AFL CEO Gillan McLaughlin maybe acknowledging that this hadn't been very satisfactory. He called it an imperfect resolution. The AFL acknowledges each one of the complaints feels hurt pain and anguish following their time at Hawthorne and the parties acknowledge that the manner in which their allegations were leaked to the media was not in any party's best interest. And he also acknowledged that the AFL has a history of racism towards First Nations players and and promised to take steps towards fixing that. The AFL knows that during the long history of our game there have been instances of racism and that players have been marginalised, hurt or discriminated against because of their race and for that we say sorry. Fagan has also responded. Um, he said that it was long overdue that the process be brought to a close. He called it a farce. And he said, you know, now that he has seen the allegations made against him, that he would be happy for, for all of the documents that the consultants prepared to be made public. He says that they support his, his long-running denial that, that he's done nothing wrong. Is Clarkson still on indefinite leave? Still on indefinite leave. And we haven't heard from him in the immediate aftermath of this, but he has, again, repeatedly denied the allegations. So taking a broader look at things now, we're in a situation where a review has been abandoned. We're at almost a bit of a standstill. What are the next steps from here? So it's really all up to the players and their partners and what they want to do. But what they now have the ability to do if they want to is to escalate this to the Australian Human Rights Commission. Now, that sounds like a very dramatic step, but it really is an official mediation process. So the Human Rights Commission hears all sorts of claims, including claims about racial discrimination, and it offers an impartial mediation, 
um, where it hears both sides of the story and again tries to work towards a resolution similar in structure to what the AFL was trying to do, but of course independently managed by a government body. Uh, if that doesn't work as a resolution, then the players and their partners would theoretically have the option to bring forward a lawsuit, basically seeking damages for racial discrimination um, to the federal court. Now, but that would be a civil lawsuit, not a criminal a civil, case. A civil case, that's right. Yeah. And of course, you know, we don't know who they are. We don't have any direct indication of whether they intend to pursue any of those routes but there are suggestions from you know afl media sources who say they've been in conversation with with the players and their partners um, who, who suggest that that's likely uh, but of course we don't know tom there's been some very disturbing allegations made by former afl footballers towards the hawthorne football club and it's led to this review and that review has ended this week with the findings of no findings what is the proper process meant to be here? Well, I think the first thing to say is that we don't have a perfect answer to the question of what is the proper process. We're getting pretty used to, to stories in the news about serious allegations being raised in organisations and those organisations and the legal system struggling to satisfactorily deal with them. Yeah. But clearly in this case, there is a legal framework, right? The Australian Human Rights Commission obviously has a process in place and expertise to deal with you know, sensitive claims of racial discrimination and to mediate them toward, towards a proper outcome. And you know, the AFL defended its investigation this week, but I think that there's a general recognition that, I mean, clearly it went for eight months and it didn't resolve, so it wasn't a success. And perhaps if the AFL had its time again, you know, it might have seen that it was more appropriate for this mediation to take place completely outside of its own remit, um, you know, with, with the Human Rights Commission. And that may be where it ends up, but it'll end up months later than it could have. So there's that part of it. I think there's also a really interesting conversation for all of us in the media about how we treat these stories. You know, there was a lot of controversy about the original ABC article um, and a, a really fierce debate about you know, on the one hand, a story of public interest and, and would it have ever seen the light of day had it not been written about? But on the other hand, the media conversation that follows that, I um, mean, you and I consume a lot of footy media, Sam, it's been mm. talked about nonstop for months in a way that the AFL recognised this week and, and, and I think the, the players involved recognised and, and everyone recognises hasn't been in the best interests of any of the parties. And probably in this particular case now, it's just been so public and, and dragged through the public sphere so much that it's unclear now whether there is any path to a satisfactory resolution. And I think it's a really interesting question how much the media conversation and the public conversation played a role in that. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. If you learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every morning. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, have a great day.